One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. friends hello friends i'm shen and i am lay and <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> welcome back to the wild net podcast we have switched sides usually it's me that's all like mopey and stuff but <laughs> my poor lele is sick <laughs> i'm telling you listen at least sometimes when you're like daria like when you're in your daria phase it's just like you being another side of you it's another facet of who you are like me being sick i'm just beaten down like i just don't have it because sick with like one kid is is a challenge sick with two kids one being an infant who like doesn't really care that you're sick because they are at all there is exhausting like i'm so so tired so it's been a time it's been a time a time these little kindergartner germs girl let me tell you undefeated undefeated let me tell you oh my god (laughs) taking me out just one booger at a time (laughs) taking me out um but that's how i'm doing how are you doing um i'm doing okay i feel Mm -hmm. like i was just telling someone the other day that i feel like my concept of time is so warped between this week and last week i feel like months have passed because i don't know if it's because the weather last week was just fully summer that's why and then this week is fully (laughs) fall (laughs) that's exactly why so confused i don't know where i am up or down how much time has passed i'm so confused right now but overall you know mom life i think like mom life is momming right now i feel so busy mm. every day there's something there's an event there's a program there's mm. the baby i am just like go go and adulting because you know it's tax season so i'm just like combing through paperwork all day and they're on <laughs> looking strike com- looking confused <laughs> like on top of that you've combed through it all only for you to get to them and now they're on strike i'm like great right fantastic <sighs> So, oh, but you know it's what? Just, it's a win because I got it done. So that's all that matters. That's up woo-hoo! to them now. <laughs> it's a win. That's a huge win. Congratulations! Yeah. And thank you. I'm totally with you. I'm stuck <laughs> in my face because I need to like keep my throat moist. Otherwise, I will not have a voice at all. But um, yeah, I feel you with mom, mom life, mom. Like I, I, I said like a few weeks ago that I was mommed out. Like literally, mm-hmm. I'd mommed like all I could mom for the day. I'm like, I can't mom anymore. I can't. Like, I just, I legitimately cannot. And I, I, I don't know if I coined that phrase, but it's one that my husband now understands very well. And if I'm like, yo, I'm mommed out, he's like, all right. And he just rounds up the troops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. He knows that I can't, he knows I'm out of commission. I can't do anything else. He's like, okay, that's it. I'm going to take care of it. Like, just go chill because, yeah. I don't know if it's because like we have two kids mm-hmm. or it's just, everything all at once but the burnout is so excessive nowadays mm-hmm. that i don't even have to say anything i'll just be like two hours just that's it two hours please i'll send a text whole nap half nap and then he'll disappear with the kids but i am so tired i am so <laughs> tired that's gonna be a whole other episode because we're just gonna have to like bring in village and partners <laughs> and running away yeah (laughs) but juggling uh, and I think a lot of people have mentioned this to me that the transition between one child to two children is way harder than like two kids to three or four or five yeah children remember a lady we met in the mall we met a lady in the mall the other day and she had eight children calmly casually (laughs) she's like no big deal I have eight and we were like what but she said something that I've heard so many times, which is that like a hundred percent after you have two, it's easy easy. Like they just kind of take care of themselves. It's just like it's not really not nearly yeah. as exhausting as just the jump from one to two. So I mean, I don't know if that's true. I really don't. 
but I don't, um, I don't, I don't know either. But I'm not trying to find out. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find out one more time, one more, one more time. I'm trying to find out. But also right in in my personal news, I am very excited that my husband is has had an vasectomy, <laughs> and it was a huge <laughs> celebration of my house because now I do not have to worry about ever suffering again through pregnancy. <laughs> I am wow. so happy to lock up shop on his expense. <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of like that, how freeing that sex must have been. Like that's that must have been the freest sex you've ever had in your life. <laughs> it's like I actually have no not done way. it yet because he's not allowed. He has like oh. a, few, a few more days, I think, before he can have sex. And I think he's scared. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> what? Explode, I'm Listen. <laughs> You got to test that thing out because this is the time. Like, it's like now. I'm you sure know. like once he gets to that point, I'm going to like hear my phone. Go, ding, 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 ding. Right. <laughs> That's going to be uninhibited. Like, so like just unrestricted, wild, crazy. Because it's like we're doing this solely for recreational purposes. Pure fun. <laughs> it's going to I feel like it's going to just change the game of our sex life. Like, no worries. Like, we're going to be so free. Oh, man. Kick the, ki- kick the kids out. Like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> our time now but anyways <laughs> speaking of sex ah, our guest segue. today <laughs> is a licensed sex therapist and she has so much experience with couples and individuals to improve their sexual health and well-being and she is passionate about helping people navigate the challenges of intimacy and communication um, and especially on the context of my parenthood with us today we're so excited yes. to have her she has been a guest on our show in a past season and mm-hmm. we're so happy to have her with us today hi dr jazz hey hello so good to be here nice to see you both hi to lay's mom first and foremost <laughs> shout out i love this not a shout out okay so i have to contextualize this so i told dr jess before the episode began that my mom's favorite episode of the pod is the one that Dr. Jess was on. And imagine, like, we've got, like, I don't even know how many episodes we have under our belt now. Maybe 70, yeah. 80. Like, we, we've been working. And this woman's like, no, Dr. Jess, I was taking notes. <laughs> and she was so happy notes. with, like, the entire episode and all the insights that she actually went out and bought and purchased the toy that Dr. Jess suggested. I can't remember. It was the one that feels like kisses on your clitoris. Again. I don't even want to get I think into, I know. More... I think Maybe... I know which one. You, right? I, I think it's the womanizer. The womanizer. Yes, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. She said she bought it. And I was like, what? Like she's like, well, she said it was good. So I wanted to try. And again, I don't, I didn't even ask her. I didn't even ask her like whether she's enjoyed it, whether she's even like stripped the packaging. But I was just laughing my head off because I'm like, of course you bought this. Like, of course you did. So anyway, she's gonna appreciate that shout out so- big time. You need to have her on to to give the reviews. Uh, uh, I think I'm gonna have her slide into your DM and leave it. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Oh, I, just, okay. I, I am curious, but man, man, only my mother, only my mom, only Gigi. I know, it was definitely Gigi, right? Hilarious. That's why I love her though. She's the best. She really. But is. anyways, let's oh check goodness. in with you, Doctor Jess. How are you doing? Everything's good, man. Life is good. Um, ready for the like warm weather and ready to talk sex. Yeah. Because <laughs> we always are. We always right? are. I was so excited about this conversation. And of course, like we're going to be focusing on, you know, families and couples mm. um, navigating sex and intimacy and communication after having children. Because that's where we are right now. We yeah. are two kids in. We are freshly in postpartum and Mm -hmm. there's a lot to adjust to with our time and our emotions, our bodies. And, you know, it's a lot to navigate and we're kind. I don't know where you're at, Leigh. Obviously, I can't speak for you, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like personally, because I'm going to put my business out there. Put it out. (laughs) I, (laughs) I feel like I think I started off great. I felt like maybe... I felt more empowered. I don't know if it was just the hormones or the adrenaline of 
having a kid and I, I did so well during labor. I mean, after I got through my complications, I was pretty healed. So I was like, okay, this is this is awesome. I don't have to worry about healing. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, healing for a long period of time. So I was like back, you know, back in the game and everything. Went ah. well. And then I felt like over time, like shit kind of hit the fan because I got busier. The baby got more needy. Our work schedules collided. The mm-hmm. kids schedules collided. And then we kind of hit a hump and I'm like, oh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to find date night? How are we going to have a moment alone? What can we squeeze in in an hour? Can it be in the day? Can it be in the night? It was Mm. just like so much to navigate. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I don't want to lose our intimacy, but it was like Mm -hmm. such a struggle for me. And I think it's something we're still working on because you just have to find the time and we have to like keep communicating and we're like really trying, but it's so hard. And I feel like, I'm sure you have experience to to know like if this is a common struggle that most couples have in the beginning of having a small baby or, you know, carving out the time or or even adjusting our expectations of sex after children. What Mm. kind of advice would you give a couple in that situation? Well, I'd say first and foremost, it's absolutely a universal experience. Of course, there are always going to be exceptions, but Mm -hmm. you've gone through this major transition practically as your family unit, physically, hormonally. Mm -hmm. So my my first, I guess, piece of advice is always to go easy on yourself, right? To Mm -hmm. do what feels good in the relationship, to feel, do Mm -hmm. what feels good in your body, to really, really take the pressure off. Like you don't have to bounce back. You don't have to do it X number of times a week. You don't have to do it in one specific way. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about, I heard you talking about the vasectomy and I'm thinking, I I think that's a nice relief in terms of you get to connect in other ways. You get to be intimate in other ways. You can be sexual in other ways, or you can be not sexual if that's what you want to be. So Mm -hmm. I would begin with like, what do you want? And why do you want it? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's I like that. <laughs> I mean, She's it like, prompts I a like good it, conversation. But I, I'm not going to answer it. But that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, I I feel like it changes depending on the day. I don't know what I want. Yeah, depending on the day of where I'm at, how I'm feeling, how tired I am. But it does prompt great conversation with my partner for us to like consistently check in to see I know like sometimes you'd be like how are you feeling today because he knows like if I'm exhausted just just don't bother me just Mm -hmm. let let me rest so he kind of temperature checks me on a daily basis because he knows that I'll get irritated if I'm dead tired don't be rubbing on my booty (laughs) when I'm like snoring (laughs) right don't tire you know what I mean so it's good to it, that it prompts conversation and checking in with each other. Sounds like you're on the right track. You're checking in, you're communicating, and you're taking it a little bit easy as you mm-hmm. should be if that's what you want. Right. That's solid. I think for me where I was different is because I had wicked hemorrhoids. Like I was very vocal about the fact that I had really bad hemorrhoids during pregnancy and towards the latter half of my pregnancy and then right up and after my delivery. So like we actually waited longer to have sex than we did with my first child. Um, and then when we did it, we were pretty consistent. Um, I saw a pelvic floor specialist and that was kind of helpful um, with just kind of helping me kind of gauge where I was at. Because even when I thought like maybe I'm ready, seeing the pelvic floor specialist and having her kind of do a couple of different things, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not quite ready just yet. Um, but I guess where, where I'm struggling a little bit is... And I can say that my husband also is more accepting and more supportive this time around, like knowing mm-hmm. that it's just we're all tired. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like getting I'm touched out more often than I've mm-hmm. ever been. And I think it's because, again, I'm nursing. I'm like, you know, so I have my youngest child and my daughter is also very affectionate. We're an affectionate family. We touch each other a lot. We hug each other a lot. My husband and I the same. But like so by the time it's like his time, I'm like touched out. I'm like, OK, I, I don't really want anyone to touch me or I don't want to be touched so much. So like, I feel so bad, but like sometimes even when we do have sex, it's kind of like, okay, we can have sex, but like, we're not even going to do all the foreplay stuff. So I don't really want to touch and I don't really want you to touch me. I kind of just want to like, you know, bang it out and get it done. And that's fine with air quotes for him because it's like, yeah, he's getting the release, but the passion is gone. Mm -hmm. And like 
Mm -hmm. I mean, sex is not just, it's like, we're not like 17. It's not just mm -hmm. back on. It's like, we want to build and make out and have all that stuff. So I don't know. What advice do you have for uh, women who might feel touched out? Yeah. So super common experience as well. Like the body has been through so much. You've got like a kid tugging at one boob. You've got a kid tugging at the other hand. You've got all the love, love and the kisses, but the yes. passion just isn't there, which is not a terrible place to be because there's love, there's connection, there's intimacy. But if you want the passion, you tend to need to create some sort of risk, some sort of resistance, some sort of almost discomfort. And I don't think this is unique to postpartum, to parenting. We see this in all long-term relationships where when there is a ton of love and a ton of understanding and so much in-depth, meaningful conversation and communication, sometimes you get just a little too comfortable. Mm. And in that comfort, there just isn't the same excitement, right? Especially people who, for people who love have a higher tolerance for risk and discomfort. So you're entrepreneurs, uh, you tend to fit the profile of people who tend to be stronger risk takers. And so for <laughs> sex and passion and desire to yeah. thrive, we need some sort of pushback. It almost, I don't want to say it can't be easy, but it can't be always familiar or predictable. And so I think it's amazing that you're having like what you call sort of like maintenance sex. You do it because you know it feels good because you know it's good for the relationship. It still feels good for the two of you, but there's something else you want. And I think um, you absolutely can cultivate it. And I don't think it's physical. So here's the thing. We tend to treat sex like it's a physical experience, but it is like every human interaction, actually an emotional experience. And, and mm. we use the language of emotions and sex and relationships in a specific way. And I'm trying to broaden that. So we'll talk about like catching feelings or getting too emotional or feeling emotionally connected. I'm talking about a broader range of human emotion, like being able to feel desired, getting the opportunity to feel challenged, getting the opportunity to feel uncomfortable. Maybe you're turned on by more subversive emotions. And I can't recall if we talked about this last time, but a lot of people are turned on, especially in long-term safe, loving relationships by uncomfortable emotions, emotions you wouldn't want to feel at the kitchen table or in the boardroom, but like you might be turned on by a little bit of jealousy. You might be turned on by even a little bit of degradation, some dominance, some submission. So I would suggest if the physical part feels good, but just isn't as exciting that you start tapping into the emotional part. And so everybody is familiar with, you know, kinky sex, BDSM, yeah. bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism. It doesn't have to be what we think those things are in the context of like dungeons or, you know, what people have these <laughs> notions from 50 shades. Yeah. Kink can be, can be emotional. Right. And I think we are all a little bit kinky when it comes to the emotional piece, when you can have the safety, the comfort, the love, the understanding at the foundation. And that needs to be very, very strong. But when it comes to the erotic, if you can pick all these other kind of un- oftentimes undesirable emotions and get turned on by it. Like it could be pain, it could be resistance, it could be, um, you know, the fear of getting caught or anything that feels a little uncomfortable for you. So I, I call this your elevated erotic feeling. And I, again, I can't recall because it was so long ago that we spoke, yeah. but we probably talked about your core erotic feelings. So your core yes. erotic feelings are the feelings that get you in the mood. Yes. But yes, your yes. elevated erotic feelings are the feelings that take sex to the next level. So once your core needs are attended to, that's when you can go look at like, oh, actually I'm kind of turned on by this, like think about television or any sort of media you're consuming. I, I kind of find it exciting the way she's pushing him away, but he's staying aggressive with her. Okay. So is there something there? Or mm -hmm. I like the idea of being completely submissive. Like I find a lot of people who have to make a lot of decisions, like especially yeah. mothers and working mothers, you are deciding what everybody is going to eat, what they're going to wear, mm -hmm. what's packed in the bag, what time you're going to leave, what engagements you're going to attend. Um, mm -hmm. And in addition to do all, doing all of your other work, yeah. you are, you're mommed out, you're touched out, and really importantly, you're decisioned out. Like you what? are making 1,000 <laughs> decisions a day. Oh and so gosh. you might want to tap into complete submission where mm -hmm. you just 
take no responsibility for sex. You're like, all right, I'm going to let you do things, but I want you to do it this way and take control. Or the opposite, where you you can still bottom, meaning you can not do anything physically, especially if you're feeling tired, but tell tell them what you want them to do. So I think the emotional kinky side is a really good option for you to explore. And it doesn't have to be super complex, right? You don't have to come up with a specific scene. It can be as simple as, you know what, you take control. I'm I'm not going to do a thing. I want you to take control. I want you to tell me what to do. Uh, and it's not uncommon for people who are in, you know, high power positions or people who are tasked with great amounts of responsibility to love to play as submissive in bed because we're just like, no, nah, man, I, I don't want to decide if you're <laughs> having like the plum sauce or the lychee or the cherry or whatever. Yeah. Just do what you want to do and make it good for me. Woo! Listen, just that alone. <laughs> like, what that's it? the clip. <laughs> I turn, <laughs> listen decision out oh my yeah. god merch that is good because I feel that I felt that in my like to my in my soul I felt that so a hundred percent yeah I could totally see that like me playing that like listen you do what you do just make sure it feels good and we're good and again I won't I don't I don't envision it always being that but I think he would really enjoy that Versus like, okay, I'm tired. Okay, fine. Here, let me, let me lift my leg up. Okay, yeah. Here, versus, <laughs> I think that would be better. So that's awesome advice. Thank you. I mean, it's a great way to still Pleasure. participate, even if you're tired. And, uh-huh. you know, it, it gets, you know, it makes it interesting. It's new mm-hmm. and, you know, you kind of still kind of tell them what to do because <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> and they right. get to enjoy themselves. You kind of switch it up and they yeah. kind of you know jedi mind trick him into thinking that <laughs> you know he's doing he's doing the thing <laughs> lay back and rest <laughs> i love that oh my gosh you never have to get on top you don't you barely have to, if you can talk if you can make somebody feel something you can be amazing in bed and you don't have to like wiggle around so much or lift your leg as you said <laughs> i got tired when she said oh lift my leg up i'm like no nah, man <laughs> my legs are comfortable flat on the mattress <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious oh my god there's a book on this postpartum sex for like for moms sex for moms like how to still keep it interesting how to be everyone satisfied but like you can do the least work oh my god dr jess that is like a podcast episode on its own right well we talked we had talked about the womanizer toy which apparently yeah. has silent silent rave reviews you know i gotta tell you it's funny <laughs> i was on i was on a i was on a flight to jamaica And I was with my mother, my stepdad, and my partner. And this lady pulls me aside and she's like, I heard about the womanizer. And I don't know if it was on my podcast or another podcast. She goes, I got it. You know, it's really, really good. Thank you for that. I'm like, my mom's right there. Now my mom's going to want one sort of thing. But uh, all the moms. You know, there's, there's another product I would recommend. I mean, there are so many different options, but there's one called the We Vibe pivot which is a super high quality vibrating ring so it's worn at the base of the penis but the way it's angled is if your partner you if you have a clitoris it's designed for your pleasure so they get a little extra pressure and pleasure and vibes but it also vibes against your clit so sometimes just listen I, i don't believe that the bulk of sex is physical. The bulk of sex is mental. It's relational. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that physical overwhelm, right? Something that just feels really, really good can get you physically aroused. And then the subjective excitement or arousal follows. So another one I'll recommend, We Vibe Pivot. And um, you can get it at wevibe.com. But I have a I have a better discount code for Love Honey if people want it. So if you go to lovehoney.com or if you're in Canada, lovehoney.ca, just look for the pivot of a vibrating ring and the code on Love Honey is Dr. Jess 15. So you get 15% off. Woo! So I want to like pivot again to another challenge I feel like a lot of moms have after having children. And that's the some people have drastic changes in their libido. What are some ways to combat that challenge of having a low libido after having a baby? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, I think the first first piece is that it's okay, right? You you can accept it. You don't have to have a higher libido. I think that in the new conversations around sex, in this, you know, I, I think the rise of sex positivity, there's this notion that we ought to have all the sex, that we must be in the mood, that we must enjoy it. So we went from women not enjoying sex for sex, you know, just being something that we did out of obligation. Women oftentimes Mm -hmm. were treated like objects to this new version of empowerment that oftentimes dictates that you must want sex and you must want all the sex and you must do all the sexual things. Yeah. And that can be just as harmful in a different way. Anytime roles are dictated, anytime we aren't allowed to say, you know what, here's how I feel, here's what I want, here's what feels good for me, here are my boundaries, I think we run into some very serious issues. So first and foremost, if you're not in the mood, that's also okay. In the context of a relationship, of course, you have to talk about what that means, um, provide context for a partner, look at alternatives, like how are you going to stay intimately connected? How are you ensure that you're still trying to meet one another's needs in some ways? But number mm-hmm. one, I think you have to know that you're not broken. Mm-hmm. There is, again, this idea that like if you want sex five times a day, something's wrong with you. If you want sex five times a year, something's wrong with you. And neither of those statements is true. And I know this is really hard for people because yeah. we tend to generalize and globalize our personal experience with sex to the whole world. But yeah. that is mm-hmm. not the case. Some people's regular baseline <clears throat> is zero. Some people do not want sex. And They've never even been given the option to embrace who they are because sexuality in terms of desire and attraction has been dictated as compulsory. So some people are asexual and experience no sexual desire. That is their baseline. That is their orientation. There is nothing wrong with them. Some people are very sexual, like we might use the language of hypersexual. And that too has been pathologized as problematic. But the desire for lots of sex or zero sex, neither of those is good or bad. They're neutral. Mm -hmm. So your baseline is your own and it will change over time, especially after big life events, including having a child. But you're going to see it change also with menopause. You're going to see it change probably, you know, with grief with different Mm -hmm. life experiences. So we have to just, number one, be nice to ourselves. And I know that was a little bit long-winded, but I just want to drive the point home that wherever you're at, it's okay. Now, if you perceive your low libido or your low desire for sex as problematic, either because it's causing problems in your relationship or you miss your old self, then there are things we can do about it. So what can Mm -hmm. we do? Um, Sometimes it's very simple lifestyle adjustments. Sometimes it's about, you know what? I am I have too much on my plate. I have too much with the kids. I don't have enough relief. Maybe I need to ask family for help. Maybe I need to splurge for a sitter once in a while. Not to go and have sex, but just to be human, to be an adult, to go out with your friends, to like sit and do absolutely nothing, to read a book. So sometimes it's more mm-hmm. lifestyle lifestyle changes because We think about, we use the language of libido, right? Or sex drive, but sex actually isn't a drive in terms of its need for survival, right? Yes, the human race is propagated by it, but thirst is a drive, sleep is a drive, um, hunger is a drive, because without those things, we will actually die. Sex is a desire and it's subjective. And so oftentimes our desire levels stem, yes, potentially from our hormones and what's going in our bodies, but more often it stems from what's going on in our lives. There's like kids knocking at the door. There's kids tugging at you. You have work. You have, maybe you take, so many of us are that kind of, I forget what they call it, but we're that generation where we're taking care of parents and taking care of kids, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of, Mm -hmm. I think it's called the sandwich generation or something like that. So oftentimes we just have to make lifestyle changes to prioritize ourselves, like to prioritize our physical health, our mental health, our mood, all those things. And then we may find that libido follows. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes after having a kid, we start to see our partner in a different light because we realize that we have treated them like a kid. We realize that a parent-child dynamic exists between the two of us. And It can be functional at some level to some degrees. Again, I don't like to be um, too polarizing where it's like, this is bad and this is good. Everything Mm -hmm. with nuance, everything along a continuum. But in terms of sexual attraction, for many of us, that parent-child-like dynamic does not work. So now I'm parenting two kids 
and I'm making sure you eat and I'm making mm-hmm. sure you go to the doctor and mm-hmm. I'm making sure you go to the dentist and I'm dealing with your parents and I'm tasked with all of the domestic, social, familial, yeah. whatever community labor. So then we start to see our partner differently and no matter how much how much we love them no matter how physically we attracted we are to them no matter how good that sex is with that dynamic we can lose passion we can lose mm-hmm. attraction and so we need to address it and i don't like to speak always in a hetero context and definitely not only along um strict gender lines but oftentimes it is the mother in hetero relationships who is playing this role and we need to tell our partners, especially if, you know, male partners, because this is usually the dynamic to step up. It doesn't have to be a huge uh, deep dive into childhood or it doesn't have to be a hundred therapy sessions, but we do need to say, you know what? I am most attracted to you when, and maybe that's when you step up. Maybe that's when you actually t- play this role of co-parent without me being the leader. And again, I know this isn't the case for everyone, but if your partner is doing half of the tasks and you're doing half, but you're making all the decisions. You're coordinating it. Like you're the yeah. supervisor, the manager at the top who mm-hmm. is, you're like the CEO and they're executing the tasks. You are doing the mental and emotional labor. So sometimes that kills our libido. True. Um, sometimes it has to do with what's going on in on our body. So there's so many reasons that I can't give you one reason, but you right. mentioned, Lay, that you went to a pelvic floor therapist. I did. Life savers. <laughs> I don't know if you can share your experience or if you've already shared it on the podcast, but it is life changing. Um, so my experience was um so it got disrupted because I had like a family uh situation. So because of that, like th- there was like a family concern. I had to folk like lend my attention to that. So I couldn't attend um as many appointments as I would have liked. But I attended four and the four sessions were still really good. And I was overwhelmed at first because I was like this is she was giving me a lot of great information and then she went right into like okay the examination which I didn't realize was something that was going to happen every single session which was like fingers directly in the vagina and like just just in there and she would just be she was in there chatting (laughs) chatting because again even as moms you know we're not uncommon it's not uncommon to have people playing around in there but like it was just the conversation about like how does this feel how does this is this this, this, like, like now tighten now loosen now this now that and it was just that she gave me so much information and it, I think it was beneficial. It definitely was. I wish I could have continued, um, I guess. But I think one of the things that she that that was the most, I think, um, like, in, in, like, I guess in the, the most beneficial was the way that she empowered me, the way that she empowered me to understand my vagina more and to like not just jump into things. I, I guess I, I often think of sex as very emotional. And and yes, I recognize it as physical as well. She's like, yeah, but you need to you need to take care of your vagina. You need to understand that it's been through a lot and you need to allow her to heal and you need to like work at it and be intentional with strengthening her and all this stuff. And I was like, OK. <laughs> kinder, kinder. So again, I wish I could say more because I think she had she wanted like ten sessions worth of 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 care, and I only had four. I intend to return, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to also add in and jump into the value of that. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm going to shout out a pelvic floor therapist, a couple to follow online. So oh, Doctor. Nice. Kamaria Washington, who is, she's based in Michigan, but you, you, you'll you learn from her work wherever you're based. And she was just on my podcast. Can I plug my podcast? So I have Absolutely. a podcast called the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, where we cover everything from emotional literacy to orgasms. But Dr. Kamaria Washington, she is, she is just like a great online personality. Um, you'll learn so much, even if you don't see her, I don't know if she does virtual consults, uh, but even if you just learn the exercises that she tells you to do to move your pelvic floor, like when Dr. Kamaria was on our podcast, she was sitting on one of those exercise balls and just mm-hmm. like bouncing yeah, and yeah. talking. And it made me want to move around because she was talking about how sitting is so hard on our pelvic floors. Like Obviously, the trauma of childbirth is another level, but even our daily activities are so bad, our posture can affect our pelvic floor function, whether or not we're dehydrated, because that affects our bowel movements. So I'm going to highly recommend you follow Dr. Kamaria Washington. I think you can put her in the show notes. And then you see logic on Instagram. Um, her Dr. UC is also brilliant. She is both a pelvic floor therapist 
and a sexologist. And she does these like bourbon tales where she talks about everything related to sex. So I think for me in the field of sexuality, I don't have the expertise that's so beyond my purview to understand pelvic floor physiology. But if I could go back to school and have one thing to complement what I'm doing, it is pelvic floor physio. So you can check them out. UC Logic and Dr. Kamaria Washington. I'll send you their links for the show notes because we can all do learning and just do little things, little things to improve our pelvic floor health. So, you know, I talked about lifestyle factors. I talked about relational factors and dynamics. Now we're talking about the physiological, the pelvic floor. Um, I think you could say, oh, go get your hormone levels tested. But if you've just had a kid, there's just going to be major fluctuations. So then we can actually talk about the sexual. So last time I talked about the core erotic feeling really, and and that's the erotic emotional connection, thinking about how do you need to feel in Mm. order to get in the mood for sex? What is the feeling you're looking for? Are you looking for love? Are you looking for safety? Are you looking for challenge? And then if you can cultivate more of that feeling, uh, but also taking time to just enjoy your body physically. Oftentimes we lose desire after major life events, surgeries, diagnoses, childbirth, because our relationship with our body has changed. So we can sometimes feel our body has let us down. Uh, We might not feel as comfortable in our bodies. Like we might not feel as attractive. And I, I think unfortunately, especially Western culture tells us, oh, if you bounce back, if you exercise, Mm -hmm. if you get your tummy back, you're going to be in the mood. When in fact, what we really need to do is not attach our worth and our entitlement to pleasure to the way our body looks, to the shape Mm -hmm. of our body, to the weight in our bodies. Like we need to feel okay in our bodies regardless of, Mm -hmm. you know, how many rolls versus how many abs we have. And I'm not necessarily just saying, you know, body positivity, love your body. Um, Maybe it's more body neutrality. Maybe it's just not attaching anything about our value and our worth to what's going on in our bodies. Maybe it's accepting that our bodies are going to change over the course of our lives. And I think about like, what do you give to the world? What can you give to this world besides not besides, but that is as powerful as human life, right? You've you've brought life into That's this right. world. You're going to spend a whole bunch of years making sure that human life subsists and hopefully thrives and is Very fulfilling. True. So to like sit there and be like, well, now I have a stretch mark. I mean, does that take away from your pleasure? So sometimes we have to find new sources of pleasure in our body, get more comfortable. For some people, it's, you know, a practice of mindfulness, oftentimes mindfulness combined with pleasure. So mindful masturbation, for example, involves touching your body for pleasure, like not for the purpose of orgasm, but just doing things that feel good in your body. And again, in a kind of erotophobic culture where we're a little bit afraid of sex, right? And there's a lot of shame in sex. We actually find shame in our bodies where any type of pleasure in our bodies, we try and kind of quell or we try and ignore it, right? When I think about even just massaging yourself, right? Massaging yourself can feel really good. It doesn't have to be sexually pleasurable, but we just Mm. need to tap back into other sources of pleasure. So mindful masturbation is another approach, tapping into fantasies. I I mean, you have so many options for libido um, and it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily linear. It's not like, oh, if I start working out, all of a sudden my libido will go up. But we do have data showing that the more we move, the more physical we are, not because we're losing weight, but because we feel good in our bodies because our bodies are functional and performing. That can help as well. Definitely. That resonated with me. That's that's like my new journey. I was talking to Leah about that a couple of weeks ago where we mm-hmm. were at the mall shopping. And I said, like, I'm really cultivating a new relationship with my body. And I know before with our first children, we went through like the rabbit hole of like snapback mm-hmm. culture and how it's so annoying and adds pressure. And this time I'm like so empowered with the body that I had because my experience was so traumatizing. Mm. Um, I made my mind up that I was not going to let anyone minimize my experience. And my body is just a result of a miracle that I performed. (laughs) Mm. Um, And I didn't want to shame myself. And I was telling her I got rid of all these small clothes that I had because I kept punishing myself for, you know, I'm going to fit into that one day. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get back to that body. And I'm like, why am I you know, shaming myself for the body that I have now, I, I still feel beautiful. So why do I go to my closet and feel so ashamed? So I was like, I'm going to buy new clothes. I'm going to, you know, dress this body and have fun and go outside and celebrate myself and, and not 
minimize this entire experience that I've had that I'm so proud of. I'm so proud of, you know, making it through having a baby um, because it was hard. It was really yeah. hard and it took a lot out of me. It took a lot out of my body and the fact that I'm feeling good now. And even though like I, you know, still have roles and I'm still, you know, not, you know, it have a certain look that, you know, society won't think is, you know, top tier. I feel great. I, I, I look great. <laughs> no, no one can say nothing to me because I have such a new relationship with my experience and, um, you know, eventually my body and the way I emote that will reflect, you know, the inner work that I'm, I'm doing right now. So I think that that also like, to your point, does that help with how I felt sexually because, you know, before I was like, oh, you know, I have to like wear this or I can't wear lingerie because I might look weird, you know. But now it's like mm, just butt naked. Just that's it. <laughs> that's it. I always I don't say even that, need the cloth. <laughs> I always say that multiple truths can coexist, right? It can mm-hmm. be like I right now like have a bigger stomach than I'm comfortable with. I'm not comfortable yeah. with the fact that my stomach is bigger. I'm not. But I still love the way that I still love myself, right? Mm-hmm. I can still love myself where I'm at and still work mm-hmm. on reducing the size of my stomach. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I hate myself or it doesn't mean that I don't value my journey, my experience. It's just like right. these truths can coexist, like they can coexist and they they can complement one another. Like I'm okay, like and I love myself as I am, but I do and I will continue to aspire towards being this size or mm-hmm. whatever the case is because that too will make me happy or whatever the case is. So yeah, I think that that's also important to consider, right? Right. Just enjoying Absolutely. the moment that you have, like being yeah. present in the body that you have right it's now and in. still celebrating yourself as you work on yourself. Like they're all important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from a pleasure perspective, there's nothing about like, let's just say magazine bodies that can actually get or give more pleasure. Right. It's not like, right. well, if you've got this hip to waist ratio, it's going to feel better as you ride it or it's going to feel better when they put their hand up. That's just not the way it works. Um, But of course, just saying that doesn't negate the onslaught of pressure from all sides that we ought to look a certain way. Right. And, and very in ways that are patriarchal and ways that are Eurocentric, right. That there's nothing, there's no escaping that. Right. And it's at every turn Mm -hmm. and it's, it's an unfair burden that we have to constantly work at that. And it's unfair for some people more than others. A thousand percent. Definitely. Now I know time is nearing, but I did want to ask one question that I saw coming up on like in a um, Facebook group that I'm a part of. So I'm wondering how many other moms that listen to the show also have this concern. Um, so we talk a lot about moms, like, you know, trying to figure out how to have sex and how to incorporate it and getting our libidos back and all that great stuff. What about for the moms who are pregnant, who have the libido, <laughs> who have the, the drive and the desire to be sexual, but their partners do not. How might they navigate that? So I think that we want to look at the why. Um, if your partner just has low libido, I think we also have to make space for that. And that's a whole other conversation, especially yes. if we're talking in the hetero context. For men to admit that they have low desire can be a huge challenge. And the data you know, continues to show that there is a significant percentage of men who don't have what we call spontaneous desire for sex. And I'm not sure if we talked about this last time, but this applies regardless of gender, that the desire for sex, especially when we use like the language of libido, we make it out like it's this thing that you have versus this thing that you can cultivate. So Mm. oftentimes we'll differentiate between spontaneous desire, meaning like, I just want sex versus responsive desire, meaning I'm not in the mood, but I'd love to get in the mood. So let's see what I can do to put myself in the mood. And in the gender context you're describing, women are not conditioned to, oftentimes not comfortable with, oftentimes not empowered to get their partner in the mood. Uh, Men oftentimes are also uncomfortable or feel emasculated by that dynamic Mm -hmm. when in fact- Gender is not what determines whether or not we want sex. So I want to say, number one, we need to make space for the fact that not everybody is just spontaneously in the mood for sex. And if your partner isn't in the mood, we need to respect that and 
ask them, regardless of gender, like, can I help to put you in the mood? Or are you willing to do something to get yourself in the mood? Because when we think about arousal, arousal can be physical. So you get aroused in the body. And some people have to get physically aroused before they become subjectively aroused, meaning before they actually experience desire. So if we wait for desire to spontaneously happen, it may not happen postpartum or during pregnancy. So that's number one. Number two, if it's a different issue, and you probably come across this on the message boards, yes. if it's a different issue in that they don't want to have sex because their partner is pregnant, yes. Yes. because they've created a Madonna, a Madonna whore dichotomy in their mind, because they think they're going to poke the baby, yeah. then we need to do <laughs> some serious education uh, around gender. And that's, that's quite a bit of work, like to get rid of that Madonna whore complex. So that's the complex whereby we see some women as kind of this virginal Mary, and that's where we put mothers in that specific box. And I then see. we see other women in very objectifying ways. And those are the ones with whom we want sex or whom we desire in, an, in a more objectifying way. Uh, and that is rooted in patriarchy, rooted in sexism, rooted in really intensive sexual shame much harder to address. And he has to do that work. Mm. And I feel like I'm just, you know, sometimes when we have these conversations, I'm adding to the burden of straight women or women who date or sleep with men, where it's like, here's the thing you need to teach him. Here's like the, you know, yeah. the leash you need to guide him. <laughs> uh, and I think that, I mean, I do the work I do because I hope I can kind of catch people earlier on so that they can have these conversations from the onset. But if you're in the scenario, and is this what you're seeing, like where the guys don't want to have sex because she's pregnant? Many, yeah, many. There's, there's like, like, and yeah, women voicing the fact that like I, even if men aren't, aren't being vocal because sometimes they know it's, you know, it's, it's a sensitive topic, they're skating around it. But the women are, they're intuitive. They're like, the gist of what he's saying is this belly is not it. Like the mm. size, I increased in size. They're not feeling me, and I'm feeling sexy. I'm feeling proud. Oh. I'm feeling like you know ready and and and, and excited about this. And they're like, yeah, no. Mm. And like, so they. That. Oh, that's tough. They think it has to do with their body. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the men are alluding to that. And this is like, uh. lo- I mean, like, I want to say like hundreds of women. Like that, wow. that daily post, like my body, my body, my, my husband, my husband, my husband, my partner, my partner. Like it's really sad. So I wonder if in, in many of those cases, it isn't actually about the belly. If it is about this idea that like, well, no, this is the mother of my children. They're carrying my baby. I've got this idea mm. that I'm putting my penis near my baby because that's what we hear from these guys. But they may not be able to say that. So okay. rather than owning their own truth and being honest, they put it on you and your body. Yeah. Um, are there going to be people who I guess aren't attracted to that. I mean, it's possible. I just, I think that if we're honest as human animals, attraction isn't as much just a physical thing, right? (laughs) Plus if we were to go back to like evolutionary stuff, there's stuff around fertility and roundness that can be very attractive. I mean, I I hate to give this answer because it may not be that helpful for people, but we need to have real conversations with these partners now. We need to say like, listen, I love having sex with you. I miss having sex with you. I'm not accusing, right? If we go and say like, you never want to have sex anymore, you're never in the mood or what's Mm. your problem, people are going to shut down. Uh, And even though you're feeling frustrated and you have a right to feel however you're feeling, like if you're feeling rejected, if you're feeling like Mm. you're not good enough, those are very... um, difficult experiences. And I don't want to say, oh, you have to baby your partner. But if we can go to them in a supportive way and say, I miss having sex with you, I would love to talk about like how we can get Mm -hmm. it on more. Like, this is what I miss. This is what I love. And hear their concerns, like make space for more vulnerable expressions uh, in terms of, you know, this is why it matters to me. This is how I'm feeling. And this is what I want. Actually, on Mm -hmm. our podcast this week, we're talking about like the three conversations you have to have, like your why, your how, which is how you're feeling versus how you want to feel and what what it is you want. And if we can come and own those things, sometimes those conversations are more fruitful than when a partner feels like they're, you know, not good enough or they're being attacked or they're being criticized. Mm -hmm. But man, that sucks. Um, We need to have a conversation (laughs) about it. And I I think we need more supports for men among men because Mm. it sounds to me like oftentimes they're getting, again, in the straight context, they're getting supports from women and it's just one more layer that we have to manage True. Um, which takes away from our attraction and our desire as well and our enjoyment right if we had to yeah. do it's not that you don't have to do some work to get sex like yes it should also be your job to help get your partner in the mood sometimes 
But if we're also doing the emotional labor, you're probably yeah. going to end up out of the mood as well. In terms of the not attraction to the belly, I haven't heard a lot of that from men really? like privately. No, like they'll they'll say that. And then when I dig deeper, oftentimes we'll hear about like poking the baby or putting the <laughs> dick in there or she's my mo- the mother of my children. So I just don't see her that way. Uh, I mean, attraction is physical, it's emotional, it's relational, it's uh, it's sexual. It's not yeah. just just like, oh, well, it's the shape of his. Like, think about it. If your yeah. partner, I don't know, ended up hurting themselves and they had a huge like lump on their thigh or something like that, would you be like, mm, I'm just, I don't really want that anymore? I doubt it, right? It's more of yeah. a lump for you to sit on sort of thing. So <laughs> I think... I think that that might be overstated. Again, I don't want to take away from the cases where that actually is the issue. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'd still be asking him, like, just because we feel something, sometimes we make excuses with attraction. We'll be like, oh, I'm just not attracted to that when it's actually rooted in sociocultural norms. Like we see that in dating around race. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, I'm just not attracted to that. Oh, well, what sociocultural norms, what dominant norms told you that one thing should be attractive versus another? Mm-hmm. Like we still all have to do, as you said before, the inner work. Always with the gems. <laughs> Always Dr. Jess with the gem, the gem dropper. Yeah. <laughs> I want some valuable ones. Can't I just drop some gems I can sell or something? <laughs> gems by Dr. Jess. That's it. Love it. Love it. So you've already told um, our listeners about the, your podcast, but I mean, please drop any other um socials that they can follow you on so they can stay connected to you because my gosh you've got such a breadth of knowledge yeah i'm sex with dr jess on all social media uh sex with dr jess.com and if people want video courses like if they want to slow down if they're having trouble getting in the mood i have a course on mindful sex it's just a whole bunch of video and audio exercises to get you to slow down and connect and it's actually not about sex to begin with it's really about breathing and visualization and connection. Uh, So we've got one on mindful sex. If you just want to brush up on your skills, we've got some like oral sex courses for- What? Yes. And they're all at (laughs) happiercouples.com. Happiercouples.com. It's a perfect name. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bookmark some things. That's fantastic. Definitely. I was like, I have to pull this up. Same. <laughs> all right Jeez. all right folks you heard it here i hope you guys wrote that down and i hope you guys jump over to her resources because she never disappoints guys never i know you guys are going to bookmark this i know that you guys are going to give this a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. and if you don't you better okay and also leave a review let us know how helpful this episode was to you um and let us know what else you want us to talk about because you know we always come with the real news (laughs) and we always come with the inside scoop so um head over to our instagram and tiktok at wtn podcast if you want to see us on the daily and um i think that's it for housekeeping Uh, with that being said Nap time is over. Thank you again so much, Dr. Jess, for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, friends. Bye, friends. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.